Welcome to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor, Chris Tapley. On today's show, a preview of the upcoming Critics Awards circuit and thoughts on Martin Scorsese's silence. A little bit later, I'll be talking to Hell or High Water star, Ben Foster. So stick around. All right, folks, I'm back with uh, Variety Chief Film Critic Peter DeBruge. First hey, time since Telluride. Exactly. We sat down at Telluride to talk about those movies. Seems like a lifetime ago. And uh, Peter is fresh off of a screening that we're going to want to talk about, which is Martin Scorsese's Silence, uh, kind of the last big movie to drop this year. And, uh, you know, there's an embargo in place, so we'll be careful how we discuss this. But... What's your immediate takeaway? Let's let's just go with that. Yeah, well, let's let's keep my opinion out of it, and okay. we can just talk about some kind of general things. But uh, the, I mean, we all kind of knew this was a eight hundred pound gorilla in the sense of you've got a Martin Scorsese movie dropping in December, and the last time there was kind of a late you know year, last couple times you know those movies have gone on Departed, you know mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street to do really well in the award season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a different kind of movie in that i mean i think it um is closer to something like kundan in mm-hmm. the sense of uh it's not an overly commercial film it's long it's two hours and 40 minutes uh it's uh mostly intellectual and it has a lot to do with how much work the audience is willing to put into it mm-hmm. you know in terms of what you bring to the table and uh the and it's a movie about faith and and you know heavy interior kind of issues um it's a period piece set in Japan, all these kind of elements, you know, kind of make it uh, something where uh, it's the kind of movie that's not going to be some runaway box office phenomenon that powers it into the award season. That said, I mean, uh, it is a film to be contended with in Mm -hmm. terms of all of the elements that any Scorsese film would be, from the way it looks to the acting to the, um, you know, there's, uh, there are all the, I mean, we know to be looking for Andrew Garfield, he, you know, did a terrific job in Hacksaw Ridge, and mm-hmm. now, you know, here's another leading performance, two movies that kind of are both about these, um, you know, these uh, characters of profound faith on personal mm-hmm. journeys kind of against all odds, you know, but... Um, the uh, you know I, don't, I actually don't know the name of the actor, but the, there was one who kind of jumped out at me, and the movie is worth campaigning. It, it's mm-hmm. uh, the villain of the movie, uh, Inoue, uh, is the character's name. Is uh, is basically like the Japanese Christoph Waltz. It's this kind of a someone else said that. I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's like Hans Landa, like the new Hans Landa or something. Right, but I, I mean, read. it's like it's it's. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the performances that reads the loudest, mm-hmm. or you know, kind of like catches you in a movie that's very understated. You mm-hmm. know, um, so uh, I mean, I think they would be, you know, smart to to just sort of spotlight him. Yeah, you know? it's a category that's very much open right now. Uh, it's interesting. You know, we had Garfield on the show a few months ago, and that was specifically for Hacksaw. But we talked about Silence, and I was like, both of these movies are about the hardship of maintaining one's faith as you said against all odds uh and that's kind of a theme that 
Marty, excuse me, Scorsese, like uh, like he's my friend, like <laughs> like we're on a first name basis. Uh, has, That's all has, right. We just had lunch with Andy, who came down <laughs> to like shake hands with all of the LA film the critics, buttering you guys up. You know, it's like, and I mean, you could tell that that's not something that was his idea. I mean, oh, sure, someone yeah. else, you know, wants him to do that. And uh, the to his credit, I think he's a very serious actor. He's yeah. done two great performances. But go on. That's yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed talking to him about this stuff, and and Scorsese and Gibson both being interesting filmmakers and how they. Do deal with those themes throughout their career actually so uh you know let me just ask a question that you're gonna hate (laughs) i appreciate that you led with some of the awards talk i know that's not generally where you go but is this a best picture player is this something that could unseat something like la la land which is perceived to be the front runner uh it won't win um it could be nominated in that uh, if there's enough critical support for the movie, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, it could be you know one of the ten, nine, eight, you know, however mm-hmm. many kind of get in there. There, um, I think that has a lot to do with this kind of late, late in the game play potentially, yeah. and the fact that Scorsese is so respected. Um, it's curious that this movie. I, I mean, it was being considered for a late last year release. And then there was hope that it might show up at Cannes or some of these Mm -hmm. festivals. I honestly think if it had premiered at Cannes, say, it would have much better chances because I think it's a movie that um, there will be some very um, big critical champions for it. Uh, I... Honestly, I'm going to take some time to digest it. I don't yeah, even sure. know that I, I mean, can give my fresh own off the screening, review. So. I don't know what side I'll be on. I'll tell you that. You know, yeah. it's like um, the uh, and um, the because uh, I have very mixed feelings. You know, um, and you've read the book. You said you're in the middle of your third read on the book. Why? Why do you keep reading this book? Well, I'll say <laughs> that uh, it's always been to in preparation for this uh, oh, yeah, movie, okay. and it's always been in audiobook form. And I find that like ah. I'll listen to 20, 30 minutes of it and realize I haven't been paying attention at all because mm-hmm. it's very dense and it's a you know, a complicated story. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there were times in the movie when I was having the same problem, you know, my, my mind going to thinking about my sock drawer instead of what was on screen or instead of what, you know, Mm -hmm. was where it was supposed to take me, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not necessarily a gripping piece of material. And yet it's about this profound thing. I mean, we're talking about the themes of Scorsese movies. I mean, this is about a a guy who, um, a priest who travels to Japan to in, in search of almost a kind of spiritual glory. Mm-hmm. He's watching all these, you know, uh, peasants who have converted to Catholicism being tortured in these gruesome ways and he's almost envious of them mm-hmm. uh, which of course we know is like a, a venial sin you know it's like um, the uh, he's envious of them for uh, like you know being martyrs when that's mm-hmm. what he wants he wants you know the uh, and uh, interesting refraction for today yeah I mean, yeah some of the things that's going on in the world well it's I mean it's curious to see a movie that's looking at Catholicism in a way that um, you know our own country is, and others in the in the world are kind of turning against you know Muslims uh, coming in and being very threatened by them you know mm-hmm. it's like and also a flip on the kind of uh, Catholic stories that the Crusades the you know Inquisition all these kind of things where it's like there's been a very brutal history with um, Catholicism toward, you know, the Catholic religion toward other faiths or non-faiths, and uh, and here it's you know the uh, they are the victims. They've they've come in as colonialists into a um, into a Buddhist uh, culture, and the you know the authorities there kind of want to like rip this 
um, this uh, vine, this, uh, you know, kind of thing out by the roots, mm-hmm. and the roots are the priests, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's it's an interesting but not at all cinematic kind of um, set of themes or ideas that uh, Scorsese, being Scorsese, has found a very visual way to engage with. He's got a great DP. He's worked with Rodrigo Prieto the last couple of times and went back to 100% film on this. Uh, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street was mostly film, but they dabbled with digital for nighttime stuff. But uh, I mean, it is a gorgeous movie, and to me, the movie it kept reminding me of is uh, Apocalypse Now. I mean, it's this is a wow. heart of darkness story, except instead of it being, I mean, you've got fog and mist as this kind of motif throughout the whole thing, and yeah. that's kind of the visual through line. But he's going in search of this lost priest who may be dead, may have been killed, may have apostatized, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, the um there's that kind of similar journey to um you know Martin Sheen's in that film. Yeah. Maybe Rodrigo can finally get his Oscar. He he managed I thought he was going to win for Brokeback Mountain, but uh I think he dropped it to what was that? 2005 Best Cinematography. He won't Memoirs die of a Geisha maybe won that year. But uh anyway, yeah, um you make a good point though about the late break I mean it's, this does seem like a movie that would have benefited from I mean look we already are in a space with awards where it seems like in order to win best picture you need to lay a lot of track out and that's why the last six seven however many winners have played Telluride or Venice you know they've they've come early enough to kind of get their message going well let's say movies like Manchester by the Sea yeah uh, you know which I gave a fresh look to on Monday of this week you know mm-hmm. to, just to kind of uh, clear up my own you know idea before going into the LA film critics voting this weekend but uh, or certain women these are movies that by virtue of having kind of been looked at and championed early at Sundance kind of had this chance to build interest and build a claim mm-hmm. and be received kind of almost like comfortably enough by critics with the push that they needed and in a shorter span I think you know Moonlight had a direct kind of, as has La La Land, you know, mm-hmm. momentum directly off of the fall festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Silence only has the fact that it looks prestige and is a Scorsese film, I think, kind of doing that work for it. And yeah. people, you know, there are people who will go because this is a Scorsese film, mm-hmm. but it's so unlike any other film of his that, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate into love or appreciation for it. But it that will, you know, but otherwise... Are voters going to see this movie apart from its being a Martin Scorsese movie? Yeah. I don't know. And you mentioned Kundun there. I know that uh, you know, I interviewed Thelma Schoonmaker for Wolf of Wall Street, and they were just about to go into this one. And they were like, this is definitely part of a trilogy with that and uh, Last Temptation of Christ, uh, this the kind of spiritual trilogy, right, if you right. will. So that's very fascinating. I look forward to seeing it. I see it this weekend. So uh, actually, when you're voting, I'll be seeing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's talk about the L.A. Film Critics uh, and the New York Film Critics, which are going to happen the day this airs, actually. So who knows what's happening while this is up. But uh, what do you think the critics are going to do this year? What do you think are some spots that they feel like need uh, some 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 uplift, you know. Well, I mean, just having sort of shared a a, a lunch with uh, a lot of the LA guys, it was you know kind of a chance to read the room a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, the and do some informal polling almost. But I would not be surprised if this happens that one of the groups and the New York gets first salvo because they mm-hmm. you know vote on Thursday. Uh, the uh, 
one of the groups chooses Manchester by the Sea, and the other one chooses Moonlight. I think mm-hmm. that will likely happen. Uh, and the question is, which way goes which? I know that the LA critics, while they would never admit this as a group, is very conscious of what New York has done and tries not to just kind of be redundant. It's mm-hmm. not that it never happens, but... Um, it needs uh, to be pretty, like undeniable for it to happen like right, whenever right. you guys i, I feel I think like hurt locker maybe happen. hurt locker mm-hmm. you know like la confidential saving private ryan they're very specific ones i think that's those are two that but i feel like both those them, two but, yeah. movies manchester and moonlight are ones that um you know having kind of there is such critical love for them and having the critical kind of you know muscle behind it kind of powers it forward of mm-hmm. course National Board of Review just picked Moonlight, so that's already, you know, it's like if that and, um, uh, I mean, of the two, Moonlight is the movie that I adore, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like w- without any sort of reservations. Well, I mean, um, those that's my number one and number two of the year right there, Moonlight and then Manchester. They're two terrific, so, terrific movies, yeah. The question, though, is like, and not that critics need to think this way, I mean, certainly they're, I think their mission ought to be to just be honest with what they think the best of the year is, but those are two movies that don't have a problem having a footprint in this awards season. Sure. You know, so is it is it worth it to champion something else that could could use that kind of a I think when it comes to those two groups and voting on best picture, they tend, I mean, you've, everyone's engaged with that category. It does go to something where the room really feels passionate about, you know, those films. Mm-hmm. You're not second guessing strategy. I mean, I think the, the limit of that is just that question of, you know, not trying to look like we're just echoing what another group said. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that it's even a factor, you know, it's like, yeah. um, but uh, what you do see with the LA film critics is in almost all of their other categories, some real eccentricity come out, you know, and they do, I mean, this is a group that, you know, recognizes Korean and Romanian actors when, uh, you know, when there are terrific performances in the race and they are looking internationally. Every year they go out of their way uh, to find animated films, at least to consider, Mm -hmm. so that we're not just kind of rubber stamping the latest Pixar movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that could be a shame this year because Zootopia is such a terrific movie as Mm -hmm. the Disney kind of behemoth in the the race. But there are so many great little indie ones. And I know that my, you know, critical cohorts in the group are are giving them all a look. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a movie like Your Name, which mm-hmm. opens Friday in uh, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that movie's done almost $200 million in Japan. So it is like... I didn't know it had done that well. Holy crap. $170-odd million. I mean, this movie is the number one grossing movie of Japan this year, is a phenomenon. And, like, we will, as Americans, look at it as like, oh, it's this little underdog from, you know, Japan. <laughs> right. I mean, this is like their Zootopia. Yeah. And and it's a terrific, terrific movie. So I just hope that people, you know, give it a chance. And, you know, it's like I know, uh, you know, a friend of mine is an Academy voter and just, you know, was uh, showing me that he was about to pop his screener of that in, you know, kind of next to watch. They're required to look at them all. So it's yeah. like, you know, they'll get considered. It's just, um, you know, Asian talent does not get compensated very often in the Academy Awards. Um, mm-hmm. Silence is one thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and it would be great if, you know, the actor we were talking about were, uh, you know, nominated. But uh, when it comes to animation, unless you're Miyazaki, you know, it doesn't really happen. You know, it's like, um, and unless you're like Ang Lee, uh, that's kind of where the list ends. Yeah. Uh, on the LA Critics side, I know you guys often, you were talking about actors. I think lead actress is typically a spot where uh, you know, 
they, they they'll go outside the the beaten path. I, I kind of feel like Isabel yeah, Huppert feels too obvious this year, though, for for LA. You know, I don't I don't know uh, if. Uh, it would be too obvious in the sense that I don't think that I don't think she's necessarily going to win other groups, and so I think yeah, that's true. Um, the uh, it's I mean those are the kind of statements that our group has made. I mean we've given it to the lead actress of Mother, mm-hmm. um, the uh, lead actress of uh, was it Seraphine, the um, yeah. uh, Yolande Moreau. Uh, it might be mis- messing up the title of that film, but you know where she played the you know autistic artist. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I mean, th- what was the? Uh, there was a year that uh, Vera Farmiga won for uh, God, what was the name of the movie? Something Bone, Down to the Bone, Play It to the Bone. Oh, you know that must have been because uh, I don't think I've even ever seen that movie. That must have been before I joined. Oh, okay, but but um, I feel like I feel like she won that year. It was it was before she was Vera Farmiga? You know, so yeah. they kind of. I mean, they they really do look for the best performances, independent of because we don't have. It's not like casting an award show the way that yeah. you know the Golden Globes is, where you go to the mm-hmm. biggest stars and you want them to show up. You know, in in our case, it's like you go to the best talent, and you know the there's no guarantee you may vote for the biggest star and they don't come and you might vote for as we did um emmanuel riva the year of amour yeah and you know we get a video acceptance speech it's all <laughs> the same to us it's like we've voted with our conscience yeah and, you know the uh i mean isabelle luper is the greatest living actress this peter is um, a fan is not the uh this is not even her best performance but it is i think the one that is likely to um get her uh seen by the you know widest you know contingent of different awards voters it's a you know it's a movie by paul verhoeven so it's like you know you've got a lot of factors working in her favor like now she's going to be in a marvel movie in three years <laughs> let's hope not but you never know i mean like the fact that tilda swinton is like you know i never saw that coming yeah true. and yet that's a brilliant piece of casting you know mm-hmm. it's like um i think isabella Huppert would only make a marvel movie if it had an auteur director which <laughs> these days they're kind of getting so it could happen yeah uh, what about something like? Do you mind if I mention what your favorite movie is? Oh no, uh, go ahead. Uh, Hell or High Water. Uh, do Do you think that could pick up some more steam in other areas other than bridges? Like for instance, uh, Ben Foster received a, a Independent Spirit Award nomination. He's the I'm interviewing him on the show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, could he maybe get some traction or uh, you know just like the cinematography of a film like that or the screenplay certainly like could. I mean, I have to say that I tend to be a little blinded by my own enthusiasm when it comes to movies like this. So, mm-hmm. like, I suddenly see all possibilities being open. Do other people like that movie as much as I do? You know, is is kind of the question. I grew up in mm-hmm. Texas, so there's even a part of Hill or High Water that just reads as being kind of like the most... It's like even a more authentic version of No Country for Old Men for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and there's a film that we gave Best Picture to. Mm-hmm. So when a movie comes along that's better than a movie that we gave Best Picture to, suddenly I see all these possibilities. But does everyone kind of, you know, Slow view down. it that way? No, we meaning Lafka? Exactly. I yeah. think Lafka gave it to There Will Be Blood. Yeah, you're right. So I should probably... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but fair point, either yeah. way. Uh, uh, the, you're right. Uh, that was the year that uh, New York did the... No country taking it off the table and clearing the way for us to <laughs> award. Uh, there there will you be go. Blood. Yeah, but yeah. It's 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 a movie that uh, has stuck around longer than I thought it would. Honestly, um, I liked the movie, but uh, I kind of thought it was going to remain this late summer indie gem, and you know those kind of fade away all the time. 
I think that, uh, I mean, the thing that's so gratifying about Hell or High Water is that a movie like that found its audience mm-hmm. and uh, it had a release date that was counterintuitive to that. Um, and I mean, it felt almost like it had been kind of buried at the end of summer and instead it kind of found open sailing for a while. Mm-hmm. It had some real critical support, including, I mean, it's beloved by my colleague Owen Kleiberman who mm-hmm. saw it at Cannes and, um, you know, the, uh, uh, and I think a lot of critics have come on board with it. You know, the uh, I think it's got a terrific, terrific screenplay. Um, it's got Chris Pine playing so much against type in terms of the, I mean, he's just a handsome leading man who here is playing, you know, just uh, this this humble Texan farm boy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like who uh, um, is like his his appearance is you know you know persona is no part of that identity and he's kind of reinventing himself for that role mm-hmm. ben foster we've seen him play crazy before yeah. he does it well yep. you know it's like that intensity um and like i mean this is like yet another you know home run for him in that range that we've you know kind of grown familiar with so it's almost two very different options there uh in terms of you know an actor who's uh, challenging his, um, you know, the way that he's perceived, and another who's kind of like comfortably playing within his range. Yeah, but Ben's like, you know, I was way more comfortable in this role than he's like. Don't tell too many people that because it's kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah. But yeah, he seemed extremely at ease in the part. I mean, Jeff Bridges, of course, it's like he could practically do this kind of thing in his sleep, yeah. and yet that's what's so great. About it. This is like a cop on the brink of retirement, so it's like yeah. he needs to look. These are like comfortable jeans, you know. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> right, but. Um, have you ever talked to Taylor Sheridan before? I met him at uh, you know an event that they did for the DVD launch at like oh the, the barbecue thing yeah the best oh, yeah. barbecue joint in I didn't see Los Angeles uh, that was good I, I was probably hogging Taylor Sheridan <laughs> you know it's like uh, no seriously I mean like he and I He's both have guy. Texas in our yeah. DNA and so it's like uh, it was kind of fun to compare notes yeah mm-hmm. definitely uh, last thing here I, I guess you know like New York, I said, will be uh, announced by now, but uh, maybe some of your L.A. brethren will be listening. What, what, what is one movie that you don't think maybe everyone's going to go in there thinking of that they should probably think about with, you know, whether it's a, a certain performance or a certain screenplay or a certain, just a certain element of a movie even? Is there, is there just something out there that seems really unsung that you hope that the critics and particularly maybe your group can speak up for? Well, you know, here's what I'll say to that is that um, uh, I have long detested the musical biopic genre. To mm-hmm. me, it's like they almost always hit the same formula, which is the kind of like, you know, coming know out where of... where you're going with this. <laughs> someone coming out of nowhere, <laughs> rising to stardom, starting to, you know, do drugs, falling off, you know, uh, and then having to kind of like have a, either dying doing that or coming to Jesus and, and mm-hmm. getting their act together, a la Ray and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, This year... The movie that I need to catch up with before voting, because I can sense the love from the group, is Born to be Blue. Mm-hmm. A lot of people really adore Ethan Hawke's performance. And yeah. so my homework between now and Sunday voting is to watch that movie. I thought you were going to bring up Miles Ahead, actually. Miles Ahead, <laughs> on the other hand, is like the directorial debut of the year for me. I mean, yeah. I just think that um, Don Cheadle does such crazy, inventive creative things with the way that he gets in and out of uh, the way he kind of moves in and out of time uh you know it's like uh i mean this is a wacky comparison to make but you know my almost like one issue with manchester by the sea apart from the fact that it's you know a story about just more average white people in a year when i'm really looking for stories kind of outside of that scope but you know the 
please bring those stories to me. It's not like I'm going to yeah. crucify a movie you know, that is good for omitting them. But um, it would be nice to have some people of color or some well-rounded women in that movie. But yeah. my real beef with it is like this weird way that he plays the flashbacks. Yeah. And they're very confusing. And I get what he's going for. He's doing it the way that our minds work. How you perceive yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, and so it's meant to be subjective. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Don Cheadle, who just has, like, you know, in his first film demonstrates this kind of understanding of of cinema and the way that, like, you know, uh, you know, something will be designed to kind of feed from a memory, you know, from the present into a memory, into a fantasy, and it's, like, mm-hmm. you know, jumping and weaving in through, in through time. I mean, I was just, like, I mean, that movie is cinematic jazz i mean he understands you know kind of like what miles davis contributed to music and he's trying to kind of uh, find a a, like a visual i mean it's not just visual but using the elements of cinema Mm -hmm. you know obviously sound and music as well to kind of uh create uh, you know something that that mirrors that or captures that and Mm -hmm. i just found it intoxicating and electrifying yeah i like both of those movies miles ahead and born to be blue maybe they'll get some love we'll see what the critics do again the la film critics announce on sunday and uh you know all the various regional groups will be chiming in throughout the rest of the month so uh, thanks for coming on man we've got ben foster coming up star of hell or high water so stick around for that You got a gun on you, old man? You damn right I got a gun on me. Y'all gonna steal my gun, too? We ain't sent from you, we sent from the bank. Woo! You hear about these bank robberies? You may get to have some fun before they send you off to the rocking chair yet. I may have one hunt left in me. <laughs> Mama, in that bit a while? Three months. Bank breathing down her neck. been here for a while long enough to watch the bank getting robbed has been robbing me for 30 years these boys know exactly what they're doing they're trying to raise a certain amount that's my guess let's go drive, drive. toby it's a good thing it does more down it every step of the way welcome back everyone i'm here with ben foster uh who's had a very busy year actually uh Four films, Hell or High Water, Finest Hours, Warcraft, and Inferno, which is out now. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today, first of all, Ben. Really appreciate it. Happy to be. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, we were just talking briefly before we started recording. Uh, Hostiles, you're coming off of. Scott Cooper's new film, mm. Western Down in New Mexico, he was shooting. Uh, I'm just curious how, how you liked working on that film, what, what the experience was like for you. I'm a huge fan of the genre, and uh, you've been in a couple of Westerns now. So, uh, what was that like for you? Well, joy to play with Scott. I mean, you're pals with him. He's he's such a, a positive, smart cinephile. He he loves people. He loves stories. So, uh, again, to play in his world was was terrific. And a great cast. I mean, Christian Bale, uh, one of my favorites, Jesse Plemons. You know, just good, solid, beautiful builders. Yeah. Yeah, he puts together great casts for his stuff. Yeah. And uh, in that movie, you tackle a really gnarly character, which I'm going to talk talk about your characters uh, coming up. But I just want to start with kind of a cliche question, if you'll forgive me. 
Which is, uh, when and how did you know you wanted to be an actor? Uh, early. Uh, I wasn't much of a student uh, and was very much drawn to TV, I suppose, like a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, TV and movies and plays. And I just, uh, I wanted to be a part of that. Not, not so much as uh, to be in the box, but I just looked better there. So I got into school plays when I was about eight years old, and and uh, just about in in town of Iowa, and, and I'd be a box mover, is what they call it. You just move boxes for the guys who had lines, right? And then slowly uh, I'd be given a line, uh, and it was just better. I liked building early on. I liked collaborating, and, and like I said, I was a terrible student, so that worked out so far. Uh, did you feel like you took to it immediately? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Did you like what did you like about it? Just the uh, the ability to escape into another persona, or would it even is escape even the right word? Well, it's it's uh, different at different ages, and, and and it evolves. What I saw was was just something so exciting and different and other, and then getting a taste. Probably when I was about eleven or twelve, doing a one act play, it wasn't pursuing it professionally. Uh, I, I blacked out during the performance I don't remember what happened and uh, people came up to me afterwards saying how did you do that what did you do and I said I have no idea what happened <laughs> uh, and that was that was the first real hit of the drug was trying to get back to that place of getting lost or released or uh, some people in athletics they call it the zone or mm-hmm. some people call it the pocket right. always chasing that dragon Something like a trance, even. Sure. Yeah. Uh, or a good dance when you just you feel that song. <laughs> yeah. How did you first get your SAG card? That's a question my colleague Janelle Riley always throws around at uh, these Q and A's. I don't remember. You don't remember? Yeah. Commercial, anything like that? No. Uh, what was the first job? Yeah, like what, oh, what got you into the oh, guild? I see. Uh, yeah, uh, my first job was uh, I was uh, like I don't remember the date of it. Um, uh, was uh, my first job was a Disney show. Yeah. So I'm, I relocated from from Iowa to uh, Toronto, and I don't know. I was a kid, so I was 14. Mm-hmm. So the adults figured out what the car. I didn't know what any of the business was. I wasn't like a. Uh, I wasn't chasing industry. It just. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky. Yeah. I knew I wanted to make believe. Right. I knew that much. I've been writing plays. Uh, but so I didn't really know what a, I didn't know the value of a, a SAG card. I did, none of the, I didn't know what a mark was mm-hmm. uh, on a set. Mm-hmm. These were all I learned as I went. Still learning. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, I, I feel that your work is really uh, kind of marked by very memorable characters very, that just kind of leap off the screen at you. I Thank specifically you. think of stuff like Three Ten to Yuma. Obviously, Hell or High Water, it's a very interesting character there. You have this gnarly character to play in Hostiles. Uh, even something like Hostage, I think of, or mm-hmm. Alpha Dog. These these guys just really are, are larger-than-life characters. Mm-hmm. I'm curious where you start to build on the character after you read the script. I mean, obviously, it starts with what's on the page, but where do you start to go from there? It, it, it's, uh, it's job to job. It changes. Uh... I suppose that at its best is is you read something, and 
it resonates in a particular part of your heart, your mind, or you understand some part of that story and, and, and making that a personal connection to it. And then it's about bleeding the lines and doing research uh, to support that connection. And that's the best part of the job is, is the research for me. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, ideally, uh, there's a period of time to, to explore the world or talk to somebody who's lived in a similar world to get a, a better uh, connectivity to the, the material at hand. And then go through the script of the director, ideally page by page, and, and start cutting it out, just cutting pages down. So, so many scripts are uh, feverishly overwritten mm-hmm. and underdeveloped where if if you're living in the skin you can your behavior uh, can speak for you mm-hmm. and that's ideally the middle ground we try to find because uh, i'm a contractor you know I, yeah i come in and build a character and uh, we got to see eye to eye on that could you elaborate on that idea of scripts often being overwritten underdeveloped well as you know, uh, it's a it's a business, and you've got to pu- pump out product. I mean, look mm-hmm. at what happened with Samsung. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a lot of money put into a lot of technology that just didn't didn't quite work. Yeah, it's, it isn't different with with films, except the film won't blow up in the air. Right. The the problem is is that it may blow up in a narrative form, or the character doesn't land. So my job is is once I'm hired is to go do my recon. Uh, I, I do a lot of field with recordings of, of people that have lived similar lives and spend time just asking questions. Uh, once I feel that I have something substantial to bring back to the director, we talk about it. And then we say, well, we can lose this, we can lose that. What if we, we emphasize these elements? So on the day, we're not, we're not intellectualizing it. That homework's done. Mm-hmm. And we, can, we, ha- we build a language where we can just be with each other and I know what he wants before he even says it or I know what she's going to say before she says it we can just like musicians listen to each other subtle cues mm-hmm. I'd rather get all the chat out of the way and just go feel on the day yeah let's drill down specifically with all that in mind on Hell or High Water and this character of Tanner and who, who did you talk to that kind of lived in this world to help you develop this let's start there well For whatever reason, I'm drawn to the South, and uh, I take you. This is the first year I haven't taken an annual solo road trip across the country. I'm from the South, so we're part North Carolina. Nice. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it's it, it. If it draws you, it draws you. Yeah, and uh, I I can't quite stay. I just got back from Nashville last night, this morning actually. Uh, the hours are blurring together. Yeah, oh, good lord, <laughs> this this life goes quick. Yeah. Uh, so I, and in my travels, I, you know, I save a lot of field recordings, and I've met some rascals over the years. <laughs> and and uh, Tanner is a, I think a kinder word would be to call him a rascal. Right. Uh, uh, it started with the script. The script was the was the easiest fit I've had in a very long time. Those words felt very comfortable his i knew what he looked like i knew what he sounded like i I just i i it's it was it was less of a an investigation with him and more of an unpacking yeah like, oh yeah he's already in there yeah let's let's, uh let's let him loose getting out of him on the other hand was that was curious 
Oh, really? Winding out of the... That was... Yeah, he, he, he's very seductive to live in. <laughs> <laughs> is that strange to say or feel? Yeah, given sure. Given who this guy is? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, the best quality... Because it's like... Uh, you can't talk shit about my friends. I can talk shit about my friends. Right. It's that. Yeah. You can't tell a mama joke about my mama. <laughs> that You just don't do that. So it's being critical of the people you, you, you fall in love with. And that's a mm-hmm. character. It's just you have six weeks, two months, fall in love with someone, think about them every day, mm-hmm. go to bed with them, wake up with them. Mm-hmm. You just spend time with that person. Uh, and then when it's done, sometimes you, you just you want to be with somebody real quick to wash them out of your system. Mm-hmm. Or you, they kind of float around. And uh, Tanner, yeah, I almost moved to Texas. <laughs> I didn't go, I didn't come home to New York. I just kept, I stayed down south. Almost bought a house. I was, Interesting. He, I fell in hard with him. He's Taylor did something, did some good juju in that script. Yeah, he's a great writer. And he, yeah. he really feels, uh, he feels out the stuff that he writes really well. Like it feels like he knows what he's talking about, what he's writing about. It feels well lived in. Yeah. Which is a term that's flying around a lot on this movie, actually, lived in. Mm. Uh, and it's true. It, in, in, in fact, I saw a featurette recently, I think, with you talking about how, how much you identified with just kind of the disposition of this character. And mm. you were like, don't, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> you might not want to say that to anybody. Oh, now you're repeating it. <laughs> but it's true. Um, <clears throat> and is that, is that often the case for you, that it takes long to... to wind down out of it? Is, is, was it specifically a thing with this or is that consistently a thing for you? It's really like a, it's, it's for me it's like a, a bad crush yeah. or falling in love. Some of them actually get in and some of them you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Others, you, they, they mark you. Mm-hmm. This one marked me. Yeah. Uh, the political climate this one lands in is very interesting, obviously. The script was shaped by the political climate in many ways. Sure. Uh, how did those sociopolitical elements strike you when you first read the script? Well, they're, they're, they're impossible to ignore after you've seen it. But in terms of making it, I, I, well, I didn't go in with, with, uh, with an outsider's perspective. Uh, it was... Uh, I mean, the man that I'm playing is is recently released from uh, uh, from prison, and he's asked by his brother to to help him uh, save the family farm uh, in the only way that they know how. That plays to the strengths that I, the, the the guy that I'm Tanner uh, has, which is a bit of mayhem and and uh, a lust for life and uh, just crazy enough to do the the craziest thing Mm -hmm. for the right reason politically uh, just on an emotional level i can speak to the question is what would you do for somebody you love Mm -hmm. how far would you go if their back was against the wall what would you do to 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 ease their pain Mm -hmm. make their life easier and if you dig down deep inside your heart uh that's something we we all should probably ask ourselves at some point yeah, you have a little brother too. I do, so I'm sure those elements were hell yeah bubbling up quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the director here, Mr. McKenzie. Mm. Uh, that's the other interesting thing. I mean, not that 
these issues are necessarily rooted in America. They can travel. But uh, it's interesting to me that a Scotsman came in and handled this material. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, how did you like working with him and, and working on the character with him? Uh, I mean, David, David's a, a true, forgive the word, artist. He, he's, a, he's a deep feeler. He's uh, really too smart for his own good. Uh, he has a, a dangerous understanding of the human condition. He, he's not a Scotsman first. He, he's, a, he's a human being first. Yeah. And he comes with his own personal experience and an openness to others. His bullshit meter is very high and is open to play. I mean, it's, it's an ideal scenario for this kind of world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm already a fan of his work. Uh, after seeing Young Adam and start up, I mean, this is, this is truly a filmmaker who's a, who's a thrill mm-hmm. to work with and watch. I wanted to circle back on that question about developing the characters. Uh, something I've noted is just how much clothing is a part of a lot of your characters. Uh, I think of, again, 310 to Yuma. I think of Alpha Dog. Uh, just kind of outwardly how, what, what these guys are presenting. And I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you ever, uh, like, get involved on that level with, like, the costumers. And, and is that something that you're really big on? For sure. Uh, I mean, I, no matter how subtle uh, y- you think your clothing is, you're, we're... we're, we're transmitting a, a symbol and a signal of communi- we're communicating part of ourselves that we don't care but I don't care in this way mm-hmm. or this is how I care about things or this is how I want you to think that I look uh, in terms of what I do uh, it's always a collaboration it's the best part of the job be it on a script or how they look or how they sound um, it's a build Mm-hmm. I'm a builder. That's as simple as I can say it. I yeah. come in and we'll touch, I'll go out, buy my own clothes. Uh, I've also worked with phenomenal uh, uh, wardrobe designers. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's per job. Mm-hmm. I did see. Uh, I was in a restaurant, an Italian restaurant. I think I was actually in Italy at the time, and there was a giant 1960s poster of Tarzan. Mm-hmm. It was a cartoon. It was like pop art. And there was a hunter that was chasing Tarzan through the jungle with a rifle. And he was wearing a red button-up shirt with rolled-up sleeves. And this was right before we started filming. Like, that's Tanner. <laughs> so I came to David and I said, how do you feel about red? He said, well, how about maybe at the end? I said, okay. <laughs> so then we built it. Did that mean anything to you beyond just visually how it struck you? Or was there something about the feeling of what red might mean for this character? I don't know. I saw the guy, because Tarzan, right, is supposed to be the hero of Tarzan's story. Right. Well, that hunter is the hero of his story. Right. And that that means a lot to me in terms of how Tanner views his world. Yeah. He's in the right. Yeah. And that's, a lot of your characters are, are, uh, you know, you've played a number of bad guys, really. You know, objectively, I guess. But, like, when it comes to subjectively dealing with the characters and not judging them as an actor, I mean, that seems like something you relish, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. Uh, Be it as a journalist or an actor or a builder or a human being, uh, the best time that I know that I feel is is when... um, Because it's easy to get pissed off at people. It's easy to, 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 to feel disappointed or, or, or angry, whatever it is. 
by exercising empathy and saying, well, why? Mm-hmm. And trying to find a connection to people rather than a distance is a great privilege. My heart feels better that way. In terms of doing that in work, it's, it seems like a great excuse to learn about things I don't know anything about and work, the, work some compassion in there. Mm-hmm. Now, you've dabbled in, uh, you know, you, I think you thrive in some of these films like Hell or High Water or you know alpha dog I, I talked about earlier but you've certainly dabbled with x-men and war warcraft these bigger hollywood movies i mean h- how do you like that part of the business or do you well uh, i'm I, I i don't know how to answer that other than i i think it's great to have a job yeah and, and having a job keeps me out of trouble uh Some 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 are jobs and some are valentines. Mm-hmm. Hell or high water is a valentine. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about uh, just curious working with Duncan Jones because he's to me uh, he's an independent filmmaker at heart. Certainly where he came from, working on something as large scale as that. Uh, how did you like that collaboration with him? Uh, it was really tough. Really? Yeah. It, it's there's so much money at stake, and I really loved Moon, but it was a tough shoot. Uh, yeah. the, the technology in, in these kind of pieces uh, was the show center. It was the centerpiece. We were pushing technology farther, or they were, uh, than any film had been pushed. In terms of narrative, the legendary guys came in to, to, to protect their material. There's a lot of a built-in audience. There was a lot of pressure, I think, uh, well beyond anybody's uh, ability um, to process and a lot of cooks in the kitchen yeah uh, I, I, I think uh, you know I, I in all honesty I haven't seen the film mm-hmm. um, uh, it's, it's a corporation that and what I do know what I have seen of it in terms of effects blew my mind I mean it absolutely blew my mind the, uh, and I would do another one um Maybe not, I don't think we're going to be doing another Warcraft, but uh, the shape of the size of it isn't, isn't the deal. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, oh man, <laughs> it's a miracle anything gets made at all. Yeah. Did that kind of stuff get in the way of your relationship with him? Like, would you work with Duncan again? Oh yeah, for sure. That was good? No, okay. no, I just mean it's a tough shoot. It's, yeah, it's, just it's, in general. It's, it's just, it's, it was a, and I don't mean like tough on me, I just mean it was a tough shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a lot to there's a lot to a lot of moving parts that, that I was not a part of how, how about that suddenly we have mood lighting well at last <laughs> I think listeners know that sometimes the light cuts off because yeah. I always mention it but I do want I do want to emphasize like Chuck Robin and, the, and, and and Duncan Jones these these guys are, are, are brilliant at what they do yeah uh, it was it was that particular film had a lot at stake and all, all I know is that China loved it. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> Helped it out a lot. What uh, what drew you to that one to begin with? Duncan Jones. It was Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, well, I do want to talk about a couple other filmmakers that you've worked with that I really love. Oren Moverman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rampart and The Messenger. Sure. Uh, these, he's a guy I, I wish would be able to make more movies. He is know. able to make more movies. How do you mean? Well, I mean, he's... He is making more, but I just mean I wish I wish he could... Uh, yeah, I think about him. I've also got the Polish brothers down here. Like, these these are interesting filmmakers to me that I wish could have the same opportunities that 
other bigger filmmakers have you know in terms of Oren uh, I mean Oren's my brother he's the reason I moved to New York yeah Uh, he uh, he has director's cut I mean that that he does what he wants how he wants it I I think more people should want careers like Oren Mover really that's the shame then I have the wrong perspective on it. Well, it's... It is true that he seems... I mean, it's not like he's getting backed into anything he doesn't want to do. He's not even built. He's not yeah. able to. Yeah. He's the most uncompromised person I've ever worked with. Yeah. Uh, and I feel privileged to call Oren Moverman family. Um, he just he just directed a film called The Dinner that will be out this spring, which is absolutely fearless. Uh, I'm, I'm in awe of that man. And you say he's the reason you moved to New York. I was going to ask earlier because you were talking about how much you like the South. Uh, mm. Those are two different environments, really. They sure are. <laughs> so so do, you, do you feel like you thrive in New York? Well, I did 13 years in L.A. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, uh, you know, I, I like, I'm a walker. I like to walk. Mm-hmm. So uh, New York is, I'm better suited for that, I think. Yeah. And if we're going to choose coasts in terms of work, we don't even have to anymore. Business has popped up in Nashville, and it's popped up in Austin. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it is a digital world, and we can travel. We're willing to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been in New York nine years, and I suppose I'll always have a base there. Uh, but in the future, I imagine raising kids, uh, if they are to show up at some point, um, probably in something a bit more rural. Yeah, the way I was raised, which is you know, small town, you know. Iowa, right? Mm, yeah. What was that experience like for you? How did that develop your sensibilities when it comes to the arts? Uh, I don't, I I'm bouncing around here. Yeah, well, <laughs> channel surfing is, is not a problem <laughs> here. Uh, you know, how does your childhood inform who you are? It completely shapes you. Uh, yeah. What I'd say is that. Um, <laughs> I'm really grateful for the time I had alone in nature as I feel that it informs um, who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. I feel much more comfortable in a, in a forest than I do at a, a Hollywood party. Yeah. And then to bring it back around to Hell or High Water, I had Bridges on the show a few weeks back. Uh, love that guy. Most of your stuff is with Chris Pine, so you, you didn't really get to, to work with Jeff, unfortunately. But... Uh, just this crew of, of people on this movie. What, what has that camaraderie been like for you with, with David and with Jeff and Chris and just the whole crew? Well, I've heard some fun stories. Yeah, it, well, it's a, you know, it's a group of, of goers. <laughs> we like to have a good time, all of us. So. Yeah. Uh, Chris is, is uh, so much respect for him and, and, and care. And uh, Jeff and I didn't share scenes, but it's been. He's just as you were interviewing him. He's 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 everything you want him to be. Totally. He just he is he's one of our greats, and uh, he's he said such a beautiful thing when he was talking about music. He said music's been a good friend to me. (laughs) Just that turn of phrase that says so much about a man. Yeah. Uh, So. that's great. David, uh, uh, you know, I feel very uh, close to him. And, and Taylor, uh, I feel like I've, I've gained a, a brother. I mean, that is just a beast of a talent. Yeah. Uh, and a human being and a man. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I enjoy his presence an awful lot. 
in this racket and the business that you do, you know, you come in contact with a lot of people. Yeah. These people are, are after it uh, for the right reasons, as far as I can tell. Reasons that are felt. Yeah. Bridges is one of those guys that you, you have this idea of him and you finally meet him and you're, he just uh, makes you glad that he didn't fail you, <laughs> you know, when you finally get a load of him. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys that you, or anybody really, that you finally meet and they're just not who you hoped they would be. It's not a character. He, yeah. he's, he, he has that curiosity, that big-hearted interest. There's a there's a Buddha brain that's just vibrating out of him. He he's he's a big being, and and vital and uh, yeah, he's just a beautiful builder. Yeah, Jeff. Use that word again, Jeff motherfucking Bridges, the beautiful builder. <laughs> I'm gonna write it. that as a children's book. It's gonna be pop up though. Get somebody interesting to narrate it. Yeah. Maybe Bridges. Maybe. Well, uh, what do you have next other than hostiles? Um. Well, anything cooking? Anything yeah. you're able to talk about? Yeah, I'm developing a few things with Oren Overman. Um, I'm hoping to direct something next fall. Just directed a music video called Pack and Nobodies uh, by the artist Emily Wells. I'm doing uh, a th- this film called Galveston in the early year uh, with Elle Fanning. I'm I'm excited. It's I'm, uh, yeah. It's a, it's it's good to be busy. Yeah directing something you want to keep doing well uh i like telling stories so i'll hold a light or if i'm <laughs> if i'm given the opportunity to direct a, a motion picture talkie and technicolor i'll do that <laughs> as well i hope it happens man uh well like i said the movie is hell or high water if you haven't seen it yet check it out he's got inferno out in the theaters right now ben foster thanks again for coming on the show really appreciate it appreciate your time Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe and check back next week when I'll be talking to Lion and the man who knew Infinity star, Dev Patel. You've been listening to Playback at Variety. Variety.